You know, six years ago, our family moved at the end of January from Florida to Illinois, and I know people still ask why. That's a question that we can answer on a different day, but as a part of moving, we did what we've done in every other move. We'd moved from Georgia to Tennessee and Tennessee back to Georgia and then to Florida, and you know, you got to get a new driver's license. So after the first major snowstorm, after we moved from Illinois to Illinois, we went to the driver's license office here in Taylorville and we did what I thought we'd always do, which is to go in, give them your old driver's license, give them some money, and then I thought they were going to take our picture and hand us a new one. But, but there was another step in Illinois, and that was a written test, which we were not expecting. Now, there were some questions we had to answer, and most of those were pretty straightforward things that we would all know, but there was also a test of road signs. And, you know, you think you know road signs, but when they take the words off the road signs, they can be a little more difficult. So I thought we might go through a few of those this morning. Let's look at the, the first one. Now, this first one, I think you'll probably know even without the letters there. That's pretty clear. That's a, a red octagon. That means stop. Okay, the second one might be just slightly more difficult. Yeah, that one's do not enter. Okay, we go to the third one and... Well, yeah, I sort of know what that means, but if you have to put a, a label on it, is it like intersection? Okay, maybe that's it. The fourth one, okay, that's, that's pretty straightforward. There's going to be some traffic coming in, merging traffic from the right, okay. Then the fifth one, it gets a little more difficult. Is there like a tree branch in the road up there, or is there another road? And, okay, anyway, and then the very last one, let's see if you get this one. Look at that. That... That means welcome to West Virginia, okay? All right, so as we think about road signs, they're pretty important for us because they tell us what's coming. They can warn us of danger. They tell us that there's going to be cars and other vehicles coming in or maybe large vehicles entering the road. So it's important for us to watch those because, well, for one thing, they keep us safe. And they guide us along the road, telling us which way we should go to get to the destination that we want to go. So today we begin a new series of lessons that's going to lead us up to Easter. And, you know, I don't know what Easter Sunday is going to look like right now. But what I do know is that whether we are in this room or whether we are in our homes or, you know, who knows what else might happen between now and then. What I do know is we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because regardless of what happens with this event that we're all going through, Jesus is still raised from the dead. And we're going to celebrate that in some way. So this series is going to lead us up to Easter. And this first Sunday, the road sign that I want us to think about is this one. Rough road. And you know, sometimes it feels a little bit like we see a sign in life that says, there's a rough road up ahead. And in fact, we're in the midst of one right now. There's a little bit of a, a feeling that this is a pretty rough road. And, and even now, as it's changed over the last couple of days, that we're asked to stay at home and not go out and do what feels pretty normal. Maybe you're not even allowed to go and work at your job. And, and we just don't know exactly what that's going to look like for the next couple of weeks, two and a half weeks. And it feels a little bit rough. And maybe you've sensed some anxiety in your heart and, and filled, felt a sense of fear or even panic rising within you. And I've sort of thought I'm above all that till, you know, I went in the grocery store the other day and I had been and it was okay. And then I went in and 
people are like piling up these huge piles of dry goods and all this stuff. And, you know, for a moment, I had this sense of like, what if there's not enough? And you want to make sure you're providing for your family and for yourself. And I had this like urge to go get a big basket and throw everything in. I thought, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do my carry basket and get what I need for today. Now, that basket honestly got heavier than usual, but I made it through with just that. And to try to fight that urge to panic is really important as we walk through what feels like a rough road. But you know, this is not the first rough road that most of us have experienced. We've been through stuff. We know what it's like to get some kind of diagnosis that was unexpected and very unwelcome. We know what it is to struggle in a relationship. We've experienced the death of people that we love. Maybe we've been through a divorce. We know what a rough road looks like, and they're going to come in life. There are times when it feels like everything is moving along smooth, and we know how to handle things, and, and everything is sort of expected, but that's not ever permanent. There will come a time when it's because of a coronavirus or it's because of stuff going on in our lives when the road feels pretty rough. So what do we do as Christians? How do we handle life when we see that sign that shows us it's going to be rough up ahead? Well, to answer that today, I'd like us to turn to the book of Hebrews. It's a, it's a letter that we find in the New Testament, an ancient Christian writing. We don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. It comes to us without an author sort of being attached to it. But what we do know is that it was written by a Jewish Christian, primarily to Jewish Christians in the first century. And the, the author wants to make the point that Jesus is the Messiah who fulfilled all the prophecies that the Old Testament pointed to, that God was predicting one would come and bring salvation to Israel and bring salvation to humanity. And then we come down to chapter 11, which is probably the most famous passage that we find in the book of Hebrews. And in chapter 11, the writer sort of traces through ancient Jewish history and talks about some of the great heroes of faith. And faith really is the key word in this passage. This is how the chapter begins, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now sometimes we treat that first verse a little bit like a definition of faith. And maybe it is a little bit of that. But I think it's actually something more. He says that faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. I don't think that's as much a definition of faith as a framework for understanding how we live out our faith. Because the rest of the chapter sort of takes that, that thought and gives multiple illustrations. The author is not saying faith is blind. You just believe whatever and, and, and it'll all be fine. In fact, that goes against the whole argument of the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, which is the prophecies point to Jesus and what we see is God at work fulfilling everything he said he would do in Jesus. It's, it's a really intellectual argument that, that Jesus is Lord, far from blind faith. But what he does make the point of in this chapter is, is if we are people of faith then even though we can't see all the way to the end of the road, we follow God because we believe in a powerful, all-knowing 
God. And so he gives multiple examples of people who acted because God called them to act, even though they couldn't fully see the result of their action. So, for example, we've got Noah, verse 7. By faith, faith, Noah went, uh, when warned about things not yet seen, so he had not seen what God was going to do, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. What did Noah do? God said, build the ark. It's going to bring you and your family salvation. They never had rain like that, never had a flood like that. And yet, even though Noah couldn't see it, he followed what God asked him to do, and it brought him life. Verse 8, we have an example of Abraham. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And the example goes on with Abraham. But the point is here, Aaron's, uh, Abraham's got a perfectly good life in the city of Haran, in what we would call Syria. And he leaves all that because God calls him to go to this land that he was going to give to his people. Abraham had not seen that land. Abraham didn't know the future. He didn't know that his uh, descendants would inherit that land fully and it would be their home. But, but it was a promise from a God that he believed in and had proven faithful to him. And so he went, even though he couldn't see the end of the road. So we've got example after example all the way through chapter 11 of Hebrews that gives us this great picture of what faith looks like, how it is lived out. And it comes down to the very end in verse 39. This is what we read about all these people who are faithful to God. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. It wasn't fully fulfilled even in their lifetime because for the writer of Hebrews, God fulfilled promises, but not fully. It was always pointing forward to Jesus. And only in Jesus was it fulfilled. And even Jesus had to act in faith because he went to the cross not seeing the full end of this, but knowing the promises of God. Verse, uh, beginning of chapter 12, it's all brought together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and what this is is all these heroes of faith looking down on us and commending us and sort of as we run a race, this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So they're surrounding us, cheering us on as we go down the road that we've been called to travel by God. And then listen to this, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I find such encouragement in that passage that not only do we have God's spirit with us and leading us down this path, but it's as if all the heroes of faith who have gone before us are cheering us on, even Jesus cheering us on as we walk down this path of faith. And that, that key phrase there, to fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. And it reminds me in these difficult times, the way we get through it 
is to fix our eyes on Jesus. We might say it this way, depend on what is certain when life is uncertain. You know, what we know is that we need something to depend on right now. And we could choose to try to depend on lots of things. Maybe it would be my own health. Maybe it would be my money, my, my strength, my courage. All those things we could point to and, and all those things could fail us. We need one thing that will carry us through. And ultimately, that one thing is Jesus. And that's where our faith in Christ becomes, to me, both a comfort and a challenge. We're comforted by the fact that Jesus has been down this path before. Jesus went to the cross. Now, he knew the resurrection was coming, but he hadn't yet experienced that. He's walking this path that was miserable. Physical pain, spiritual pain, carrying my sin and your sin, and yet he went down the path that would only be fulfilled later. Jesus knows that experience. It's a comfort because we've been through that. We know this uncertainty that we're experiencing now and have experienced in life. But it's also a challenge because we're called to be faithful, to fix our eyes on Jesus even though we don't know the end result right now. Even though there is uncertainty, but what we do know is that our strength can be found in God. We do know that God is with us. It is his presence that he promises to us. God doesn't say, hey, everything's going to be easy. Everything's going to work out just like you want it to. But he does say that he'll be with us. And he does say that in the end, there's always victory in following Jesus Christ, just like Jesus experienced. So, depend on what is certain, and that's Jesus, when life is uncertain. For the next few days, things are going to be sort of uncertain. There's really no avoiding that. And we've just got to decide what really is certain in life. The most important thing from this passage is that we fix our eyes on Jesus and him alone. Because we know whatever happens down this rough road, that is the one thing we can always depend on. Let's pray together. God, we are really thankful for the opportunity today to worship you. Though we're separate, we are still together. God, give us the the courage, the strength to fix our eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. Because we know that that's what will get us through uncertain times. And God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship with one more song this morning.